Hello, I'm Susan Raff, and welcome to Real Talk. Today, we're going to talk about the economy, Connecticut's economy. Is it getting better or not? We've all heard for years that it's very expensive to live in Connecticut, and lawmakers certainly recognize that, and in fact, they are passing legislation right now, lowering gas taxes, looking at property taxes, and things like that. And also, we keep hearing uh, that people are moving out of Connecticut, but the numbers are showing something different, that people are moving into our state. So we wanted to get a sense of Connecticut's economy, these tax breaks, will they make a difference to people, and how do people from outside Connecticut look in to our state? And joining us today is Muhammad Alahi. He is a professor of international business at Quinnipiac University. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me in your show. Thank you. The economy. We hear that so much. Uh, you know, how is Connecticut's economy? I know that's probably too broad, but how would you describe things the, the way that they are now, especially since we've gone through a pandemic, but we are moving out of the pandemic? I think Connecticut economy is doing great. I have been in Connecticut for 23 years and I've never seen the economy growing so fast as it is right now. It is true that until three years ago, we were struggling. We had a huge uh, budget deficit. People were leaving Connecticut, but now it's just the other way around. People from other states, they are moving into Connecticut. Cost of living, it has, it is not as high as it used to be relatively speaking, in compare, as compared to other states. And a lot of new industries, they're actually moving into Connecticut. So I am very optimistic. Our budget looks healthy. We have a rainy fund. Our population is again growing. And I think a lot of ethnic minorities who have moved in uh, during the last two years from New York, they would also add more to the workforce in Connecticut. One of the things that I learned uh, over the past year, because I think traditionally you find New Yorkers moving into Stamford and other places in Fairfield County, but real estate is booming in places uh, in Torrington and up north in the western parts of our state. So I, I see people moving into those areas as well. That's kind of unique. That is unique, but I think given the fact that real estate in big Population centers are very high. That is why people who are moving into Connecticut, they are actually going to small areas, small towns where the housing price may be within their budget. And that is actually good for Connecticut because it's not just that the big cities like Stamford and New Haven, they are growing. Even smaller cities, which were actually losing people, they have begun to grow again. I want to talk about property taxes. You and I have discussed that, um, that, you know, Connecticut lawmakers are looking at ways to um, expand the property tax credit uh, for a lot of people and that the property tax is very regressive because it doesn't matter if you live in the same town, you have a home that's valued at the same price as maybe your neighbor you're going to pay the same amount of taxes regardless of your income. So that seems to be unfair to a lot of people. It's a huge investment. So lawmakers are looking at that. Do you think that that will make a difference for a lot of homeowners uh, and property? I think it will make a difference because, first of all, in Connecticut, the mill rate is very high. And you have correctly pointed out that regardless of one's income, one has to pay at the same mill rate. So it becomes very regressive for people 
who have limited earnings. And housing, it is the most long-term investment for majority people. Most people do not have investment in 401k. Those are for the rich people. But for average people, house is the most important investment. And if they end up paying too much taxes, if they cannot afford, then what do they do? They leave town, they go to another place, another city. So I think this reduction of property taxes, it sends a strong message to current residents of Connecticut, as well as prospective residents from other states. Because people from other states, they're also moving in. So I think this is a very important step that our government is taking. We hear all the time that Connecticut is an expensive state to live in, and certainly compared to other states, maybe in the Midwest or down south. But this region is expensive. Housing and apartments are much more expensive in Boston and New York. So is it is it really true that I mean, or is that just comparing it to places that are traditionally very affordable to live in? I think actually there is a gap between perception and reality. The perception is that Connecticut is a very uh, expensive state. And I think it was true to a significant extent 15, 20 years ago. When I moved in from Connecticut, from Texas, everything just seemed super expensive. Whether it was ordering a meal at a restaurant, buying something, car parking, everything was expensive. But over the last few years, I think the cost of living in other states have gone up. Whereas in Connecticut, it has remained stable. And we often forget one thing, that it is true that we pay high taxes. It is true that the cost of living is high. But the service that we receive in return, that is also much higher in Connecticut. My three children go to public schools in my town, but they are getting private school education in Connecticut. Had I lived in Texas or somewhere in the Southwest or Midwest, I would have to send my children to a private school to get the same education that they're getting in public schools. And if I multiply the amount I would have paid for three children, that would be over 100 grand. And I'm not paying anywhere close to 100 grand for my taxes. So I think people forget the benefits that we receive. Right. That, I, not to bash Texas, but I have heard for many, many years that the education system is not very good there. And Connecticut does uh, fare well when it uh, comes to education. We also have a lot of high tech companies now moving into our state. And let's be honest. I mean, this is uh, the region. And in Connecticut, you can, you know, you can have outdoors, but in uh, an hour or two, you can be in an urban area. So uh, for many people, it's the best of both worlds. Exactly. We are so close to New York and Boston that we have all the benefits of big cities without the hustles and bustles of the big cities. So this is an ideal place. Right. I think for for years we're trying to identify ourselves. You know, we're not New York. We're not Boston. We are Connecticut. And isn't that okay? (laughs) I think that's great. We have the we have the best of both worlds. We don't have the problems of New York, but we have all the benefits of New York. And you can go there if you want to. Exactly. You, you just hop in the car or in the train or in the bus. You're there in less than two hours. What about the gas tax? You know, lawmakers uh, have uh, suspended the gas tax for three months. Eventually, gas prices uh, will go down. It does make a big push, though, uh, for people to 
uh, buy hybrids, but those are not always uh, affordable for, for some people. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're for wealthy people, uh, because I know a lot of people who have a hybrid, including myself and even some of my son's friends, you know, who are buying used ones. Uh, but, you know, is that going to does that really cause people to drive less and will it push people, do you think, to be more economical when it comes to the usage of gas? Uh, you mean when people switch to hybrid? Mm-hmm. Or, or will, the, will high gas prices uh, cause them uh, to do that? Uh, yes, high, high gas prices eventually, yes, that will cause people to switch to hybrid. But I think what will motivate people more to switch to hybrid is the availability of charging stations. So it's not a gas price. People are also looking for easy way to charge their battery. So the infrastructure is still not there yet. I think it would take another four or five years. And once the infrastructure is there, I think more people will start buying hybrid or, or electric cars. I agree with you on that because, you know, I thought about buying a plug-in and I have friends who do, but it really is a change of lifestyle. You really have to readjust and plan your trip because you can't just pull over and go to a gas station. So in the meantime, uh, people have cars and have gas. Uh, Will the suspension of gas, uh, the tax make people feel better? Do you think that 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 is just a feel good, maybe political move during an election year? I think it's not just a political move. It will also have some uh, impact on how people spend money. Uh, even though gas price, it, uh, we spend a small part of our budget on gas, but when the gas price goes up, it has a significant impact on our spending behavior. Because when we are driving anywhere in any state, we see the price of gas in big letters outside every uh, gas station. We are frequently reminded of how the price is going up or going down. And even when it goes up just by five cents, let's say, or 10 cents, people actually drive less, they spend less, and that is not good for the hotel industry, for restaurants, for retail. American people, they buy nature, they love to drive, and we do not have a good public transportation system. So when people drive less, that actually affects a whole range of industries. And I think right now our uh, state economy is doing pretty good. We have a budget surplus. We have a rainy day fund. And I think to maintain the momentum, it was important for our lawmakers to suspend the excise duty on gasoline and also to uh, provide the uh, holiday tax holiday uh, up to June 30. Uh, so I think these are all, all uh, uh, correct decisions to sustain the momentum that we currently have in our state economy. Right. And gas prices have a huge effect on what we pay for groceries. Um, as you know, the, uh, the suspension of the gas tax doesn't include diesel. Lawmakers uh, and the governor or Democrats and the governor felt that that affects mostly out of state. I'm not so sure. There are a lot of independent truckers uh, who live in Connecticut, um, you know, who are affected by the gas tax. So everything becomes uh, more expensive, uh, which just adds to inflation. What are your concerns about inflation as we are now and how long will that last? I'm actually very concerned about inflation. If you look at the data 
last month we had 7.9%, which was the highest in 39 years. And many experts blamed the Russia-Ukraine war on, uh, for the inflation. But actually, I disagree with all those experts. Because if you look at the December figure, if you look at the January figure, before the war started, our inflation was already very high. And what are the causes of this inflation? In my opinion, there are two reasons. One is the supply chain problems. The price of everything has gone up because of the supply chain crunch. Our system is based on efficiency, not resilience. So when there is a small problem anywhere in the long supply chain, that creates big problem. Products became scarce. We cannot procure products even when we get them uh, shipped to the U.S. We cannot get them released from the port. We do not have truckers to carry them. So product price has gone up. And eventually that will go down once we are able to solve the supply chain problem. But there is another reason. When there is oversupply of money in the economy, people, when people have higher savings, when they have more money, they tend to spend more. So when there is a shortage of products and oversupply of money, naturally price will go up. And I think our Federal Reserve, they were very cautious in raising the interest rates. They did not want to raise the interest rate on time. Lately, they are actually taking actions. And I think we'll be witnessing a few more uh, rate hikes within the next few months. But I think the inflation is going to stay for some time uh, because of these two reasons, oversupply of money in the economy and the supply crunch. It's interesting. Yeah. And and interest rates have been very low for a very, very long time. Uh, But people spending power is, to your point, is very high. In fact, uh, our sales tax collection, the revenues are very high. And that's because people, especially during the pandemic, bought a lot of things, right? They and big exactly. things. They did home projects. They did, you know, all kinds of things. And 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 what effect does that have uh, on the economy? During the pandemic, you're you're absolutely right. People spent a lot of money on buying. We were on a buying spree. People were hoarding. So part of it was panic buying, but also when people were sitting inside the house for a long time, they didn't know how to spend time. They started their home improvement. They started buying a lot of do-it-yourself uh, items. So as a result, there was a big surge in the sale of almost all items. And initially, most people thought that it's uh, just a one-time uh, Uh, rise. Eventually, things will come down, demands will come down. But surprisingly, even after the pandemic ended, people kept on buying. And you cannot always uh, find rational reason why people are doing it. It is possible that there has been a permanent shift in consumer behavior. Maybe more people have retired, so they have more time, so they want to experiment with new things. And I also think that people are still resorting to panic buying, maybe not to the same extent that we witnessed in the spring of 2020, but still people are worried about the different waves of uh, different sub-variants of the COVID-19 vaccine. People realize that we are still not out of danger. So to some extent, people are still holding. You know, you just reminded me of something. Remember at the very beginning of the pandemic, everybody was 
stocking up on toilet paper. We couldn't get toilet paper. It seems like a long time ago. I remember sending my daughter and she went, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, looking for that. So people were very panicked and Americans are not used to that, right? We're used to going and being able to find whatever we want, right? Exactly. People were even fighting over toilet papers. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm getting um, a good uh, feeling from you about Connecticut's economy, uh, that we are in a good place as far as job creation, uh, that uh, taxes have stabilized, they're going to go down a little bit, making people feel uh, a little bit better about where they live. Uh, but inflation is going to be a tough challenge. Inflation is going to be a tough challenge, that is true. But I'm still very optimistic about the long-term economic health of Connecticut. I remember when I moved to Connecticut in 1999, I heard people saying that Connecticut economy used to be so good when the defense spending was higher. I heard from people that once the defense industries, defense industries moved away from Connecticut and when there were federal cuts in defense spending, Connecticut really suffered a lot. And it is true that during the first 10, 15, 20 years, our economy grew at a very sluggish rate. But I think now we have entered a new phase in our economic progress we'll be witnessing more knowledge-based jobs, uh, cloud computing, artificial intelligence, 3D printing. They require highly skilled workforces. And Connecticut, for a small state, has so many universities, and some of them are among the very best in the world, and definitely some of the best universities in the country. And they are producing very highly skilled graduates who are uh, perfectly capable of taking advantage of this new economic opportunities. Lot of work that exists today, they will be gone within 10 years. There will be whole range of new industries, new jobs. None of us probably know what exactly they would look like, but we are actually already in the process of shifting toward that new phase. And Connecticut is ideally positioned to take advantage of those knowledge-based jobs. And another advantage of Connecticut is our location. We can leverage our proximity to New York, to Boston. Boston is a hub for uh, medical science-related research, bioengineering, healthcare. New York has a financial industry. We have the insurance industry. And a lot of growths that will take place over the next 10, 15 years, they would also require a lot of the supporting industries in the knowledge field, which we have. That is why if you ask me, I would say that my long-term prognosis of our health is, is very optimistic. And I think that these new industries, they will be like the new defense industries for Connecticut. What kind of jobs do you think are going to be phased out? I think all of us have realized during the pandemic that uh, service-oriented jobs are really uh, cut back a lot, right? I mean, how many times do we call 
whether it's a, an insurance company or whatever, anywhere we call, we're, we're caller number 59 in the queue. There are no many, no more people answering phones anymore. Everything is online. Uh, are those the jobs that are going away? Do you think restaurant industries will continue to have difficulties finding those kind of jobs? What kind of jobs do you think that people may want to readjust their thinking of how they want to be employed? Uh, I think the retail sector would be a big sufferer because the way we used to buy in the past, that has undergone some significant changes. Amazon will grow, but brick and mortar. Big surprise. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of brick and mortar stores will be going out of business. And once Amazon starts uh, sending goods through drones, which is already a reality, when goods will be delivered by drone, there will be even less needs for truck drivers. So that is not a good news for uh, truck drivers. Uh, And then people will also buy more online, which is already happening. And I think the restaurants will also need to reinvent themselves. There will maybe more uh, takeout rather than going and eating while sitting at the restaurant. I think people are also working differently. They are not necessarily going to office. More people will be telecommuting, working from home, and they may not have time to cook food. So there may be more order for home delivery. So there will think- be some- I think that's going to have a huge impact because people are not going uh, back to work and some who are, uh, you know, maybe only one or two days. What happens to all that real estate? What happens to all of those office buildings uh, that we see that I see some are doing things differently. They're renting or leasing space to different companies within one building. But is that going to cause a problem on the real estate market where you're going to have huge buildings that are empty? Uh, Yes, there will be a problem, but I think it will be short term. They will have to reinvent some new uses. And I have a suggestion what we can do. For example, if there is an empty parking garage or empty building, we can start hydroponic cultivation and grow food there. And people increasingly want to buy food that is locally grown. And it will also be good for the environment. I've seen in Paris, in France, a lot of old garages that have been converted into huge modern urban agro farms where they produce vegetables and other things using the hydroponic technology. I think that will be good for people who are more health, health conscious. That will also be good for the environment. We, have, we don't have to bring all the food that we consume from California or other faraway states. And there will be new innovative use of our existing real estate, existing buildings. I kind of like that suggestion. That's, that's fabulous. So looking at, instead of looking at a garage, you'll have a garden. And I like that. I found our conversation very enlightening. Uh, I feel better a little bit about Connecticut. I hope uh, people tuning in and listening uh, do. We have some challenges clearly, but it sounds like I think the only issue is that can we keep um, this going, you know, with the money that Connecticut lawmakers are using with the rainy day fund and such, there may come a time where they may not be able to sustain these tax breaks, but they feel confident that they can do it for a while. That's always an issue. 
I am optimistic for two reasons. One is that this surplus will allow our state government to replenish our lot of unfunded pension liabilities. And once we are able to fund those liabilities, in the future, there may be less need to charge high taxes. So I think uh, even after the expiry of the tax holidays, in the future, our tax rate may be lower. Moreover, as there has been influx of new people to Connecticut, our tax base is getting bigger. And if our tax base gets bigger, we need not impose very high taxes. So I am actually optimistic. I'm going to be optimistic too. Thank you so much for joining us, Muhammad Alahi. And we wish you a happy Ramadan. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Yeah. And uh, we hope we have... Inviting me to your show. And uh, I found this a great conversation. We'd like to have you back sometime. So uh, enjoy the rest of the day and hope to see you soon. Thank you. Thank you.